0: This is a Research in Practice podcast, supporting evidence-informed practice with children and families, young people and adults.
1: Hi, and welcome to this Research in Practice podcast. I'm Laura, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Matt Tattersley, who is going to talk about some of the different programmes and methods of working with men, which have been successfully implemented across Leeds City Council. This podcast is the first in a three-part series, which focuses on the topic of working with men. This topic is something we'll be developing a range of resources and a workshop on over the next six months. For some decades, concerns have been raised about how well social work and social care services engage with men as fathers. There is consistent research evidence that fathers can play an important and positive role in children's development. There is now also a growing evidence base on the barriers to and support for engagement and the merits of differing methods of work. In today's podcast, we'll be speaking with Matt who is a manager of services which delivers interventions and programs for men and fathers within Leeds City Council. So just to start us off can you just give us an overview of some of the programs and interventions happening in Leeds City Council regarding engaging with men and fathers.
0: So first of all one thing to say is I think we've been on a little bit of a journey really in respects of looking at how we deliver our services towards children and families and and part of this is about bringing our focus on on men and how we engage men, I I think there is an acceptance or there has been over the you know the few years um, I've been in Leeds that we need to do more and um, there is work to be done in terms of how we really really bring men and fathers uh, into our service and make sure they are included and represented and I think we've seen signs of real progress in in that respect um and some real good examples of of father inclusive practice um so for instance i i've been involved in a um a working group recently uh around family-led decision making and um part of an offshoot of this work has been uh involving bringing a group of uh, male service users together to look at how we shape practice um and producing some guidance for engaging men which i think um, is is really positive, and that they're also supporting us to develop uh, questionnaires and and that type of thing. So so that feels really really encouraging. Um, but you know, but alongside that, we've we've got examples through our family group conference service uh, who uh, are very individualised in terms of their work and how they bring fathers in, and quite committed to doing that. Um, um, alongside that, we have a service called Futures who. Work with young parents who have recently experienced loss of a child through care proceedings, Um, and they have a a specialist father worker there who um, delivers uh, focused work with themselves around decision making and developing life skills and that type of thing. So, I I think what what we're seeing is real um, pockets of, of of good work taking place. And when I think primarily about children's social work service. I think as a service where we're in extension, but not necessarily part of frontline social work. And I think that that means we're in a good position to comment objectively on on engagement with with men and fathers. And what I've seen over over recent years, I think is certainly social work team managers showing a real commitment to upskilling uh, the workforce in, in this regard. And that's reflected through, a lot of social workers being allowed the opportunity to develop their skills in, in work with men through facilitating some of our programs with us which feels like a real positive initiative really you know the benefit of that of course is they're bringing the skills awareness knowledge back into the teams and that's helping develop a, a positive working culture and alongside that i think what i've noticed from individual social workers is just more of a flexibility i think in respects of how they see their role. So what I mean by that is that we're seeing more and more social workers um, willing to deliver bespoke pieces of work with men and fathers. And that feels really, really encouraging, as I think, you know, maybe a few years back, you'd have seen less of that and probably more more process-driven approaches. So, you know, those types of things make, make me feel quite encouraged about, actually what we're doing in Leeds and how we're responding to work with men
1: and you talk about yourself as as we there who is who is we and how are you kind of working with um social workers engaging with men
0: so we our service uh, we have a small a small team which i'm the manager of and there's there's six workers in that team and as i said we we deliver a you know a range of programs the caring dads program that that for probably we've been delivering that for uh, about seven years so yeah 2014 that that came into leeds and that's for a while that's been seen as our our main focus really it's a 17-week group work program um and it's specifically for men who have caused harm and neglect in, in their families um we take uh referrals mainly from social workers but not exclusively and alongside that, we deliver, as I mentioned, the Plus One program, which is a program for 16 to 24 year old men. Um, again, we take referrals from mainly social work teens, but not, but not exclusively. We also deliver a program um, called. The journey project which is for black asian minority ethnic men um that is a short intervention and it's delivered through uh one-to-one sessions with a with a worker who we have in in our team who i think is, is going to be appearing in in one of these uh, future podcasts so you'll get to meet him looking at culture looking at background and how that's significant in the context of domestic violence and abuse and and you know, the reasons why the man has been referred into our service. And I mentioned stopgap Support, which is a service that we um, have been delivering remotely, really, mainly over the last year. Um, And and that came in actually off the back of uh, COVID and, you know, everyone retreating into um, the bunkers and, you know, actually was initially seen as a bit of a crisis intervention kind of piece of work. Um, But that's actually shaped into um, I suppose a standalone intervention, um, and one where we're doing short pieces of work with men, and that's very much tailored to their needs. I would say, um, where we would meet the man, we would meet the referrer, and um, as I said, usually virtually, and, and we plan and we'd uh, look at specifically what that man needs um, in respects of you know the concerns that have been raised by either social work service or or, or the professionals involved. In terms of how we we work with with social work, um, but for our work to be sustainable and to be successful, we we really really have to connect with social work and and achieve, I suppose, buy in and and contribute to a culture shift. Really, and I'm I'm very fortunate in the fact that uh, certainly within our team, we've we've got a, a team full of workers who who are really committed to that idea and have done done great things to get alongside and connect and build positive working relationships with social work teams, you know, and that's reflected through things like us delivering workshops on you know, engaging men and fathers to actually basing ourselves in social work offices, having more conversations, helping, you know, increase referrals into our service, that, that type of thing, to, to actually making sure that we're giving at the end of one of our interventions, some some quite meaningful feedback that will hopefully inform assessment and decision making down the line for social workers. So, I, I think we we very much see that 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 part of our role um, as, as crucial, and I feel quite confident that that is is bringing about that buy in and that culture shift that 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 I was talking about really.
1: And you mentioned that the Caring Dads program started, I think, in two thousand and fourteen. Is that kind of where where you see the City Council engagement of working in this space is really starting um, and, you know, how do you think, you know, how do you see this area of practice going in the future within your locality?
0: I think it's important to add that before our service came along, you know, it, it wasn't to say that... There wasn't bits, you know, work with men taking place. I mean, Lee's domestic violence team, you know, pre-caring dads had a had a work and my predecessor in in fact. He was he was very influential in, you know, work with fathers, with fathers who'd caused harm, and and there were bits of work um that were taking place. I think it's more to say that actually it felt at that time, you know, maybe a little bit piecemeal and the introduction of caring dads felt as though there was a LCC uh, response to you know working with fathers in in the context of domestic violence and abuse and and since 2014 it's felt as though that has grown you know um it wasn't an initial pilot and in 2016 we established a team that um started to live deliver these programs on a regular basis um and, and, and we're still here and we're still trying to add you know to to the options really and i think that's that's one thing to say you know in in respects of what you've asked me i i can see a future where there are a range of programs delivered in different ways to meet different needs of the families we work with caring dads is, is a great model but and you know it's a canadian-based model that we've we've took a lot of learning from and we're quite well connected with uh, the HQ, if you like, in Canada, and, and we deliver this into in, local authorities, training to local authorities to implement it themselves. And um, I think that has been a real good foundation for us um, to go on. And um, as I, as I've mentioned, you know, roll out the journey, product one and stopgap support. But as I said, I think there's a need for more variety moving forward. Um, and I, I can see opportunities for um, more flexible working for the likes of ourselves where, actually men who come into our service who are at a point where they're not necessarily ready to look at themselves uh, and their behaviours uh, and talk about themselves in a critical way, um, but actually that there's there's room there for us to do a specific piece of work on enhancing their motivation and, and just solely building that trust to get them to a point where where they can talk about why they're here and what they need to work on and what they need to change I also feel there's opportunities to do more family based you know domestic violence and abuse interventions where actually there's there's more of a key worker focused approach where it, it, we, we're working with mum and we're working with dad um, and also more of an integrated working i think with uh, women's support services I think would be seen as progress as well um certainly for us in leeds you know i'm 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 aware that right now, you know, COVID pandemic, you know, recovery, that there there isn't um, money sloshing about to roll out all these super duper ideas that I've um, I've mentioned. But I, I think that's that's you know the way this work could go. And in Leeds is Leeds is a very very big city. We're a small team, you know, six people, and uh, for us, I see opportunities for us to grow our work and. Um, reach some of the areas of the city where, sadly, we've never been able to tap into because you know we, we've we've had to um, you know focus our resources on our priority areas, so to speak. So, yeah, I, I, you know, as I've mentioned there, I think there's definitely scope for um, broadening this work, definitely.
1: And in terms of the programs you're specifically involved with and your team, Matt, could you just give us a bit of an overview of those? And you know. How does your team effectively engage with men from the start? And then how does that kind of link in with
0: working with social workers? Yeah. When I think about what helps us engage, I think we're talking about three major things, really. Um, so first of all, for us as a service, trying to create the, the right conditions for a positive interaction with with the man. One of the things that I, I think helps us is that we can separate ourselves slightly from the wider system, um, the the group of professionals now. Of course, we are working quite closely with children's social work service. But I think what I'm talking about is the man comes. He has a he either has a specific worker or he is part of a, a group where he has two three workers and a group of men. And I think a lot of men buy into that idea that our work is for them. Uh, and actually, within the sessions, by and large, what is said is. You know, kept within that room. You know, of course, there's caveats to that. You know, safeguarding, etc. But by and large, we can keep that work uh, relatively private uh, until we actually meet at the end and we we discuss progress and we, you know, uh, feedback. But we do that in a way that is quite transparent. And the man is there. He comes to a meeting. He has eyes on the final report that we put together. So I think those things. You know him buying into the idea that this is for him, we're slightly separate, although, although we're, we're not really. Um, I think that that works towards building trust and openness. And we, we talk about creating a safe space. I think those are the types of things that we're talking about, really. And, you know, alongside that, Laura, it's I think it's the obvious um, relationship based practice, um stuff that we all know is important, such as you know meeting the man uh selling the program to him before he actually uh begins the work um giving him an option to opt out um and being very upfront and honest about actually what he what he can expect from us but but what we expect from him as as part of this commitment to the program as well, creating that sense of accountability and ownership of the work i think is is really helpful so um, you know we, we with every piece of work we do our, our first initial sessions is about being identifying real clear goals that that man wants to achieve and what will what will progress look like at the end of the, the program at, you know in a year's time um, to things like ground rules so when we first start our programs with the men you know making some ground rules but you know These are your ground rules. You're taking charge. You're taking ownership of this. So what do you expect from us? What do you expect from each other? I think those things go a long way. Um, And I talked about, you know, conditions for productive interactions. But I think also us having a knowledge, you know, what to expect from this work. So what I would say is that, you know, we should be prepared with our work to uh, address clients, men whose motivation is quite low initially when we start um, and we should expect resistance, we should expect denial, but understand that in the context of um, shame and guilt that many of the men are holding in respects of the reasons they've been referred and what has taken place to to get them to this point. Um, and I think on a similar note, I think we need to work in a way where we should expect to give men a platform to express some of their anger and frustration. You know, men will come into our service. They they might view us with suspicion and that's, you know, that's OK. And sometimes they will need that that space to get things off the chest, express anger and frustration. Um, and some of that might stem more from their feelings of just not being able to talk about their own things and their own the things they need to do. Um, so it might be a bit about denial, but it also might be, you know, quite valid, and that's not necessarily the point. It's more about us not shutting that down and allowing that to happen um, as a as a platform to get towards more the the nitty gritty and you know looking at their own behaviours, if that makes sense. And of course, there's clear um key social work approaches and models that help us you know motivational interviewing is you know front and center to what we do as is you know transactional analysis those are the real key models that underpin our work and you know often it just comes down to the person you know that personality and, and the skills the interpersonal skills they have so what do we know that helps us generally in engagement well listening will go a long way um i think us being able to model when we'd run our groups, a male and female working in tandem, uh, and and challenging some of those gender roles that a lot of people, a lot of the men may may hold in terms of what a male and female sh- should operate and look like together, um, to warm respect. And although it's not directly about engagement, I think it helps towards that. You know, engage effectively. For us, I think it's important for workers to have a good awareness and sense of themselves. Um, As far as actually what my own triggers might be, this this is quite often quite emotive work and people will have their own backgrounds, they'll have their own life experience, they will hold some sense of prejudice and preference towards people they are drawn to naturally and not so much. And I think having a space to explore that, you know, through supervision in the context of what might get in the way of that productive interaction, I think is is really important. Um, And that will help, you know, towards getting that good quality of of engagement and um, rapport with the men who come into our service.
1: And could you mention some of the sort of positive outcomes for children and families that have come from some of these programmes and interventions?
0: First of all, on, on a cautious note, I, I think I always find this a difficult question to answer as I'm aware that generally we we assess progress of the men we work with uh, at a point where maybe they've finished our our programme or, you know, maybe at the point of where social care are withdrawing. And, you know, I think with these things, we always like to look at, you know, long term sustained change, don't we? But sadly, we're not always in that position where we can come back, you know, two, three years down the line. But But nonetheless... Um, what I do think we see evidence of in our work and also, I think, are realistic expectations for men who have attended our programmes. I think, first of all, seeing less reports, less incidents of domestic violence and abuse, um, I, I, you know, that's obvious, isn't it? You know, we, we would hope to see that as um, a feature once we've done some some work with, with the men. Um, and I think we should also expect to hear... Yeah. The child and the mother talking about increased feelings of safety you know right if, if that's not happening as well um, then then our work isn't isn't really um successful it's not hitting the mark is it and with this we tend to find that men who come through our program and a real common one i think is that men will be more aware and more equipped so if if the work is uh, being effective, they'll be more aware and more equipped of how to deal with what they see as their uh, their child's misbehavior, um, or, or to put it another way, maybe normal childhood behaviour. And this might lead to better interactions, less hostility, and I think most importantly, less risk. Which again is what this work is about: protecting children, protecting women. You know, a measure of progress should also be the man's deeper understanding of his child and partner's perspective so you know fundamentally empathy and that appreciation and ability to talk about the harm he's caused as well those are things that we would want to see to sum all up I think what I'm talking about is maybe a shift in attitudes as well in how the men see their their behavior in their awareness of how you know their their child's responses and and I'll never forget the first the first program I ran was some years ago, but um, one of the bits of feedback I got from the man at the end of the program when I was meeting with his social work and he was telling me about the program and the effect it had on him was um, he described an incident with his his daughter who was four years old. And, and this, this man had been referred to as mainly because of his inability to manage um, challenging uh, behavior from his children or what he saw as their misbehavior and often um, just blowing up, um, if you like, in, in in those scenarios. And what he described was his four-year-old child coming into the living room with a glass of milk and spilling it. And straight away, he described his daughter instantly looking at him with, you know, just, just a look of horror and expression that said, oh my goodness, I'm really in for it now. I think just the fact that he picked up on that just felt like real progress and felt like he's got it. He's really got it. And I think that's what I mean about more of a um an awareness and a shift in attitude, really and and seeing the child that guy saw the child less of the problem, I think at the end of the group. those are some of the things really, as what i would what I'd describe as quite positive outcomes and some of the types of changes that we you know we would hope to see.
1: You spoke a little bit there about when um, you'd heard from mothers and children that they had felt safer. Do you kind of, how do you reach and get those, um, bring those voices into your your practice? Do you kind of have a meeting with the the mother child um, at some point, or and how do you kind of bring that into your own understanding of working with the father?
0: Yes, yeah, a good question. And I think this is a specific area that I think we could we could definitely grow in. Right now, we don't have any real uh, interaction with the child or the child's mother. And, and our work tends to be quite separate. But um, how we try and feed in the child and the mother's voices is, is usually through the referrer. And, and in most cases, that is the social worker. So at the end of the program, what we're trying to do, we're liaising with the the, the social worker and asking them to to comment, you know, and uh, on actually how how Mum has um perceived the course, what she's commenting on in terms of changes, how family life feels, likewise the child. It isn't perfect. and I think that goes back to my point about making this work a little bit more joined up. Um, we I think I think we do a pretty good job in in respects of the resources we have, but, I, I, I see, you know, moving forward a real a real area improvement to be to make sure this this work is more integrated really. And I think that's reflected through a lot of the services that deliver this type of work in the U in, in the UK, really. From what I hear, this there's a need for this um those three bits really, the work with the man, the work with the child, and the work with the mother to be more to be more integrated. We do have a, a referral Pathway, if you like, for men who are referred into our services. Uh, services there is a referral that can be made into these domestic violence services for uh, the child's mother, uh, the female partner. Um, but but as I says, I I think um, you know there's there's this scope for us doing some more more integrated work there. And um, as far as the child support goes our role is more about working with the referrer to look at opportunities to sign post and look at what support needs they have, as opposed to, you know, a specific worker or a specific team who can deliver that piece of work. So, so yeah, work to do there.
1: And then just to sum up um, for this podcast, you've kind of talked really fulsome in terms of how you engage with men but just could you give us some summing up points of key things to consider when working with men and fathers that you you would want, you know, other practitioners out there who are listening to this to really kind of consider?
0: I think, first of all, listen, you know, listen to his story. It's the obvious fundamental stuff, but things we can take for granted. Listen to his story, and I would say there's, there is a difference between uh, listening and just taking on board what he's saying and actually colluding with what he's saying. I think those are two different things being upfront and transparent, you know, about what your role is, what, what he can expect from you um, and and communicate. Um, I think what we've seen over recent years um, as a system response to domestic violence, abuse, where the man has been the instigator, I think, traditionally what has happened is that as a system we've been responding to this by insulating the child and uh, the children and child's mother and in the meantime responding to him in in quite a punitive way uh, but and somehow isolating him through risk assessments, um, you know, referrals to anger management programmes and limiting contact and I think that's not to say that that sometimes is absolutely necessary based on based on risk, um, but I think the downside of this is that it places that that burden of responsibility on the mum to to parent and keep her children safe, and we potentially lose opportunity to really engage him effectively and do some meaningful work. And what you have here is, by virtue of isolating him, um, we might increase those levels of risk and the chances of a child having children having a meaningful. Relationship with him um, decrease, and we maybe increase the possibility of him moving on and having, you know, other children with with other families. So, and I, again, I, I re- reiterate, it's not to say that we, at times, we need to work in a way where we are protecting, we we are limiting contact in in terms of risk. But it's more to say that this shouldn't be our default position. And actually, I think to answer that that bit on what, what I would recommend is that actually our starting point should be to look at work with a man in a way that engages him in keeping his children safe. So one of the characteristics of a really, I think, good worker will be that ability to separate the um, the person from the behaviour. Yeah, we, we, we hear about that and, and that will get us a long way in respects of a man not feeling judged and helping build that trust and that openness that we, we want to see, really, and that will will make the work productive. Added to this, it's likely that we will hear about a lot of the men's adverse childhood experiences themselves. And, you know, we, we can empathise with that. And what I would say to a worker doing this work is that it's important for you to you know, keep an eye on that empathy and that somehow that empathy doesn't supersede um the child's perspective because ultimately that's that's what this work should be about the empathy for the child the child's perspective is a real motivator for change for the man there's a bit of a conflict sometimes there in terms of this work because we work so intensively with the man we don't really hear from the child we don't hear from the the child's mother so i think it's always about keeping an eye on what's gone on for the child and keeping that front and center of the work really
1: that's really helpful Thanks so much for your time there matt And we look forward to our listeners tuning into the next podcast where we'll be speaking with with some of the fathers who have engaged with some of these programmes um, that you've discussed today um, within Leeds City Council. So thank you ever so much, Matt.
0: Not a problem. Thanks for having me. for listening to this Research in Practice podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Why not share with your colleagues and let us know your thoughts on Twitter. Tweet us at ResearchIP.